0: Cougar fans, it is time. Touchdown, what a grab! It's time to raise your colors, raise your voice, and join in on the raucous roundtable about your favorite team, the BYU Cougars. 20, 50, 10, five, touchdown! It's time to tailgate. <laughs> Cougar Tailgate, where BYU sports fandom lives. And here's your host, Lauren McClay.
1: What's up, Cougar Nation? I'm Lauren McClain, and we're here to tailgate with you doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. For this week's roundtable discussion, we have BYU Sports content producers, Brandon Crow,
0: Hello. Sup
1: B. And Cleon Wall.
2: Yo, yo,
0: yo.
1: Yes. uh, Sure. We'll Big accept C- that.
0: Big C-Dub in the house. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for being here, my friends. We're going to be talking hoops today, but with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and having several BYU ties, I got a chat with Carly Ellett, wife of Chiefs assistant running backs coach Porter, who we interviewed last week. And she breaks down the whole crazy Super Bowl day for she and her family from start to finish. Here's part of that interview. Joining me now is Carly Ellett, who is a BYU alum, the 2014 intramural flag football champion, Travis Kelsey, apologist, and wife of Kansas City Chiefs assistant running backs coach Porter Ellett. Carly, thank you so much for being here with me today.
3: Yeah, I'm happy yes. to be here. It's fun chatting with yes, you it's again. Good to
1: see you. First of all, congrats to you and your family on the Chiefs victory on Sunday night. That was, that was awesome. Walk me through what Sunday was like for you and your family from start to finish, because I can't even imagine what that day was like.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to sound like braggy or anything, but we kind of have a routine now for what Super Bowl Sunday looks right. like for us. We've done it a few times. Um, we, we don't sleep very well Saturday night. We're all a little bit anxious and nervous and excited. And then Sunday morning we get up early. Uh, we have sacrament meeting. Actually, we've had it at each of the team hotels for every Super Bowl we've been to. COVID's looked a little bit different the year we went to Tampa, but we've held it every single Super Bowl Sunday. In fact, Griffin, my youngest, got blessed at the Super Bowl last year, which was cool. So we have it, we have that around nine. So, uh, and I'm a stickler on the getting in your Sunday best. So dress the kids up for church, just like we're going. And it's in a team meeting room, so it looks a little bit different, but the feeling is the same.
1: it, wait, and I, we get I have a about, question about that though. Is that like, are, you know, the members on the staff come or is it just your family? Like, how does that work?
3: It's, so we actually have our, our first year in Miami, we probably had over 120 people. Uh, we had a number of players who were members. We had a couple of guys from the University of Utah, of course, Dan Swanson yeah. from BYU was on the team at the time. We had three or four coaches who were members. We had several strength coaches. So it's the coaches, the players, and whoever they brought to the Super Bowl that come. So it it ends up being quite a big group. Of course, COVID was different. But then these last two, we've had over 100 at each of those sacrament meetings as well. Um, So it does take a little bit of prep Saturday night. Porter went down Saturday night and, and prepped the sacrament trays and set up chairs and stuff in there because we do have a big group. And then it's a little bit different in terms of the length of sacrament meeting. It's quick. It's an opening prayer. It's an opening hymn. And then they're, they administer the sacrament. We have a spiritual thought. And then we have a closing prayer. And everybody's got to start getting on buses. Mm-hmm. And this year, we had to keep it especially quick because, and efficient because the game was so much earlier. It was West Coast time, whereas we played, you know, two of our four on East right. Coast time. So the game was at night. This time, it was at 3 o'clock, you know, in the afternoon. and the buses started leaving at 10:45, So as soon as we finished sacrament meeting, we went back to the hotel, changed out of our church clothes, got into our chief's gear and loaded up on the bus. So that was nice because normally we just sit around in the hotel all day waiting for the game. And it is so painful. I don't know if you've seen the Kelsey documentary mm-hmm. and there's a scene where Kylie Kelsey is her dad is just sitting there staring at her as she's putting on makeup, getting ready for the game. And she just, like, freaks out, like, quit staring at me, quit, you know, and I've been that, I've been in that exact situation with my dad, like, I can't make time go any faster. So, uh, anyways, this was nice, we we hurried and went and got everybody changed, I got Griffin settled, I did not take him to the game, you have to pay for everybody to go. Really? Babies. So, he was not invited. Wow. Yes, even, like, he was two months old last year, and I would have had to buy him a ticket. That's crazy. So... We get our two comp tickets. I'm only going to pay for another one if you can like talk. So he's, he's not there yet <laughs> to tell the tale. So anyways, um, he, he got to stay at the team hotel for the game and me and the two older kids got in with, of course, grandparents, Porter's sister. Um, and we head, we head over to the stadium where they have a family and friends tailgate just for the Chiefs organization. And that's really fun. They've got all different types of food out, desserts, games, and things like that. Mostly to keep your mind off of what's right. about to take place, I think. Right. So we we killed a couple hours there, and then made our way into Allegiant Stadium, and we watched Porter warm up, uh, warm up his players, and of course um, Patrick, which is always fun to see. And then uh, finally the game starts and that's like I'm nervous the whole week and it gets worse as the weekend drags on. But then as soon as like kickoff is about as soon as the national anthem starts getting sung, it it really sinks in. Like we are playing for the Super Bowl and that's when my nerves start to get the best of me. So my dad always sits next to me for these and tries to like give me pep talks throughout (laughs) the whole thing. Um, And and then we went underway and we had a a fumble right off the bat. And I thought, okay, like we're going to actually come out and dominate one of these Super Bowls. So I don't have to stress the whole time. And was not the case at all. So, of course, we ended up going into only the second overtime in Super Bowl history, I believe. Um, And it was interesting to watch uh, because we have been people keep making a big deal like, oh, the Chiefs have now benefited twice from these rule changes. And they forget our first AFC championship, we lost in overtime to the Mm. Patriots and never got to touch the ball. Then the following year, we beat the Bills in the playoffs, uh, thanks to those overtime rules. So they changed it for the Bills. And then, of course, now in the Super Bowl, we use that that knowledge to our advantage and ended up winning there in overtime. And it's honestly not the excitement or joy you would think you would experience when you've won the super bowl for me at least it's just a sense of relief wow. <laughs> like i think my first one when we went the first time i was elated but then after you lose a super bowl and you know how bad it sucks to be in that spot you don't you don't ever want to be in that again so it's honestly just a relief that you didn't you didn't lose it And by the time we get to the parade, then I'm excited and happy and stuff. But then it still takes a couple weeks for it to really sink in. But in that moment, I just felt ultimate relief. And then it was, okay, we got to get these kids down to the field to celebrate with dad. So we made our way down and found Porter. And that's always a really special moment to finally get to hug him after a very, I mean, these are long, long seasons. So um, we... We got to celebrate with Porter and his family and that was really fun. And then it's take kids back to the hotel to go to bed and then we hit the after party with Ludacris yes. and Ross Malone. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, chain smokers, it was a good time. We had a lot of fun, but not a lot of sleep to be had it, right?
1: I mean, how often do you go to the nah. Super Bowl? Well, for you, a nah. few times. <laughs> for most people. Four times
3: in seven seasons. Both is, that,
1: is that kind of surreal for you still? Like, I mean, especially the Kansas City Chiefs. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Travis Kelsey. These guys are like superstars, right? Is it still a little bit surreal mm-hmm. to you where you're like, I can just hit up an after party and I'm hanging out with these people and these musicians. Is that is that kind of weird for you still?
3: Definitely. I don't know that that'll ever sink in or get yeah. old. I mean, I we've talked to you know you you get to know other families in this league and there's people who have never even been to the playoffs so it's not like it's not something I I take for granted now obviously we've been fortunate to go to the playoffs every year we've lost at different stages in those playoffs but um, to not even get to that to the postseason like I don't think people realize how hard that alone is and then to advance throughout the postseason and go to the Super Bowl so. No, I don't think that will ever get old or it will always be exciting. And like, man, I can't believe we're here
1: (laughs) next week on the Her Why podcast. We'll have the full Carly Ella interview talking her viral TikTok video and what it's like being a coach's wife. All right, guys, let's get into BYU hoops. BYU basketball improves to 6-5 and five in Big 12 play and to 18-6 overall Tuesday night against the Golden Knights. The Cougars currently reside in sixth place in the conference, which would give them a first-round bye in the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City if they were to hang on. They are in contention for a double bye in top four seed as well. BYU mm. was up 10 with a minute 20 left in the game, and somehow UCF ended up only losing by two in this game. Briefly, guys, what was one thing that stood out to you about Tuesday night's win over UCF, Brandon? Let's start with you.
0: That it would just solidify. <laughs> You're speechless. From, yes, You're speechless. The way that that game ended, it was just absolutely crazy, and it was it was almost like one of those things where you can see it coming, and you know something bad is going to happen, but you just can't. You can't not watch. Mm. And then you're just watching it, and it's like, is this really happening right now? But I think what has solidified for me is that this conference is crazy, and you can't take any team for granted, and you can't take your foot off the gas pedal at any time. And I feel like BYU did that towards the end. They got complacent. They got comfortable. And UCF, you, we've seen what they can do. They beat Kansas. They have a bunch of really good wins this year. They're very athletic. And you just can't turn your back on a team like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And also, no basketball game should ever take that long. <laughs> this is not football. <laughs> Two hours and 33 unless minutes.
2: Unless it's an NBA game. I, I Yeah, get unless that. it's yeah. NBA. Yeah. But
1: College basketball, my no. My goodness. Yeah.
0: Well, what, BYU had, like,
1: 40 it? of 46 free throws. Yes. Yeah. It was it was crazy. Was in the 70s total. Ugly. It was just That is yeah, that many free throws. That is not a game you want to be at it as no, a fan. That is just not. terrible for fans. I agree with you, Brandon. Defense needs to improve at the end of the games. UCF scored 19 points in the final minute 25 of the game. That is mind blowing. Good yeah, for them. Absolutely. Like truly. They were kind of shooting up some prayers <laughs> and they were all going in. So good for them for having the luck of the night, but luckily BYU pulled it off. And that's what's cool about it is BYU did it right. They still pulled it off, they still and you kind of ended with this feeling of like, uh Even though it was a win, you're like, oh my goodness.
2: I want I want to play off of you and the threes that were made at the end. Uh, Listen to the the shooting percentages of the guys who made these. Yeah. Jalen Sellers, who made, I think, the first three of those string of threes, he's a 31% shooter. Uh, Darius Johnson, he's the one guy who made a three, and actually, it was a pretty difficult three. He's 38%. So it's like, okay, yeah, I can see that. All right. And then, like, Neil, it's, I'm sorry, neals Mah- I'm going to get his name wrong. It's Mahovsky. Mahovsky. <laughs> Mahavsky. There Mahavsky. we go. Neil's Mahovsky. He makes two, and he's only a 31% shooter. And then the guy who doesn't make the three, but it sure looks like it right there at the end, Shamari Allen, he's a 21% (laughs) three-point shooter. So I I would probably say – I'm not going to say all of those are luck, but some of those are kind of luck. It's just like we're going to throw it up there and – you know, statistics-wise, most of the time, this does not go in for these guys. And it just went in, which elongated the game even more.
1: Come to BYU, and we'll make you look real good.
2: Exactly. But I will agree with you. BYU made their free throws. The one thing that I would say I'm still a little bit concerned about is BYU has been, has, has been able to get double-digit leads in so many of these games. And every one of these teams, whether BYU wins or loses – is able to make a comeback, and I know that there are ebbs and flows of basketball games. I totally get that, but it feels like BYU just can't. You know, when they start to make a run, it'd sure be nice if they could stanch the bleeding and like mm-hmm. then go on a little run themselves. And it feels like they just don't do that soon enough. And these teams hang around. It it feels in some ways like they don't have a killer instinct. Yep. I I, I would love it. I would love it if they do have that killer instinct because I still think they're an unflappable team. Yeah. They they don't get too stressed out when things start to go a little bad for them, very which poised. I think is very admirable. On the other hand, it also feels like there's not an urgency there either. Like we got to do this now. We don't want this team hanging around. We need to do something about it right now. And it just feels like there are times that they don't have that that killer instinct to put that team put, to put some of these teams away.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall to watch co- to what Coach Pope is saying to these guys in the locker room, and and maybe there's maybe there's some strategy to that, you know, like keeping your emotions lower, and maybe that's how they've had success throughout the year. I don't know, but I mean, it from the outside in, that's definitely what it looks like, right?
0: Hold on, real quick, Lauren, before you go into the your next little bit, uh, can we all just acknowledge the real fact of why BUU won on Saturday and last night? Let's hear it. Whoever this crazy kid is. The Cougar is, Tail guy? Yeah, the Cougar <laughs> Tail kid who's shoving in a two-foot-long maple bar, and he's, like, stuffing his face with time against him, and then the whole arena is cheering wow. him on. I mean, even the announcers last night said he should have got a standing ovation.
1: Two two games in a row for that two kid. Two games. My favorite part is Kyle Collinsworth, who's all about health. If you guys follow him on Twitter, he's all about eating healthy oh yeah. and staying fit. Oh, yeah. And he comments, and he's like, "Don't do it, kid! <laughs> Stop! Don't do it!" It made me laugh so hard. I'm like, God ah, let the kid live, or maybe, yeah." No, I he is. He's a true hero. Yeah, he kept he kept those games going right. Kept the fans in it. All right, our producers Carter Bon and Tory Kimball chatted with some of you, the fans, at that roller coaster of a game against UCF. The first question they asked was, who is the most important player on this BYU team and why? Here's the first one.
0: Yeah, my name is Marcus, and I think Ali Khalifa is the most important player. Uh, anytime the offense is on the court without that man, we look like a bunch of schoolgirls trying to figure out whose pigtails to tie. And so his presence and the way he passes and facilitates the entire offense is the only reason we get to score every night. So definitely, definitely the Egyptian magician, Ali Khalifa. Interesting. Wow. That
1: was very. Descriptive? Descriptive.
0: <laughs> Marcus, dude, coming in hot. I was with him up until he said the whole schoolgirl yeah, thing I'm with like, the pigtails uh, and stuff. I'm like, where
2: is he going I, with I'm this? I'm not sure I'm quite with him. But His yeah, girlfriend just
1: broke up with him. Give yeah, him a break. Maybe, I don't know what happened. But.
2: Maybe that's the guy who's been eating the cougar tails. know <laughs> that kid's like 10. Yeah, they're the kids, they're the got, kids he's like, I got to go throw up now. Yeah, <laughs> what, what do you guys
1: think? Ali Khalifa is this guy's Ooh. pick, is the most important player on the team.
2: I will. I'll go first this time. I will go first. I'm not going to agree with him. I think Dallin Hall is the most important player on this team right now because he is the one guy that can control the game. I know he had some turnovers against UCF. I I get that. And, and, And I know he's not been perfect and he's not your leading scorer, but he is the one guy. If there's the one guy that's going to calm this team down, It's him. It's Dallin Hall. He's the one that can control it. And the reason why I say he's the most important, because they don't have anyone. Maybe you could say Ali Khalifa is like that. But Ali Khalifa is not bringing the ball up the floor. Right. Okay? He's not the one getting them into the offense. That's still Dallin Hall. And that's why I think Dallin's the most important, because they don't really have anyone else like him on that team. That's why Mm. I would say Dallin Hall is the most important guy on this team right now.
1: I like it.
0: That's a very compelling uh, point that you make, and it, and the emphasis on right now. Uh, I would have to say right now um, that I would after last night's game, I would actually agree with you that right now Dallin Hall is 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 one of the most important people for this BYU team. They uh, they tend to so far this season they've tended they've tended to ride the Dallin Hall with his highs and with his lows. But last night he was actually calm and he was composed, and he, down the stretch, he was one of those factors with his drives, his ability to drive to the hoop and either finish or drive to the hoop and kick out for a three for for his teammates. He was one of those guys that BYU was actually able to rely on and that was able to keep the distance from UCF. Uh so that I I agree I think yeah. Dallin Hall right now is yeah. the most important
1: I think there was a point where Ali Khalifa was the most important player on the team before thought, he got injured yes before he got injured I would actually agree with Marcus that he was the most important player but I I agree with you both right now that Dallin Hall has come into his own he's really done a good job of controlling the team they need him on the court they are visibly do better when he's on the court and uh and I agree with that let's hear the next
0: one hey I'm Jackson I uh I want to say Dallin Hall because his role as a primary ball handler is so important. But watching Foose these past few weeks, he's been really fun to watch. And, you know, his presence inside in the paint as a rebounder, as a post threat, that's been so valuable for this team and kind of unlocking a whole new dimension to the offense. And, you know, that's something that BYU really could have used when he was out. And it's been great to have him back. So I'm going to say Foose is the most important player on this team right now.
1: Mm, Interesting. Interesting point.
0: Very Interesting.
1: Uh, I think Foose is very important. Um, I don't think he's the most important player right now. Tuesday night, I would have liked to see a little bit more Foose involved. I think he only played about 11 minutes. He had two points. And I think down the stretch, in, in like we were talking about, BYU needs better defense. They need more physicality. I think Foose is the guy in those types of situations. I think he plays an extremely important role on the team.
2: Just because he can bench a Volkswagen doesn't mean <laughs> <laughs> Guy's strong. Doesn't mean you're important. Yeah. To him.
1: No, yeah. I, I I think he's very important, but again, going with Dallin Hall.
2: All right, let's hear the last one. My uh, name is Dalton, and I uh, believe that Dallin Hall is the most important player on this team because he's the only primary ball handler that they have on this roster that can consistently make plays at a high level. And I truly believe that when he's on the floor, BYU is a better team. And the way that he's grown into the Big 12 competition has been so inspiring to see. And I'm I'm, I'm so excited to see the development that he continues to uh, to
1: enjoy. Dalton, we're with you, man.
0: Absolutely, 100%. Dalton, Dalton
1: yeah. just said our sentiments in, in one sentence. Good job. All right, let's go to our second question. Which Big 12 foe? Do you want to become BYU's in-conference rival? Here's what you said.
3: All right, give me your name and where you're from. I believe I got it from Spearman, Texas. All right, who do you think should be our Big 12 rival for basketball this year? TCU.
2: Why is that? They're a religious school. We need to keep the Holy War going. Um, We just need a different opponent.
1: <laughs> what do you Oki. think of that, guys? Do you, think, doki? do you think TCU and BYU could be considered the Holy War moving <laughs> forward?
0: No. <laughs> Especially now that Utah's coming yeah, into play. Exactly. You can't do that. Yeah, no, you can't, do that. No. I, you
2: can't I, both be holy No. in the Holy War. Go on. The one thing that you had going with TCU is it was more of a football yeah, if there, if there was if there was any type of rivalry between BYU and TCU, it would be football. Yeah, TCU's. I mean, they're playing way better now. I'm and Jamie Dixon's done a, a really good job with the Horn Frogs, but I mean that's. They're, they're still not—you you consider TCU a, a football school, not yeah. really a basketball school. Absolutely. And so I, I, I think when you back, go back to the days when BYU and TCU were in the same conference and they played <laughs> each other and all that other stuff. Wow. Yeah, did you like that voice? That's I pull that out every once in a while.
1: Back in the Mountain West Conference back days. At,
2: back in the Mountain West. Uh, uh, the time, uh-huh. times.
1: <laughs> News alert here,
2: 1947. Anyway, <laughs> well, it wasn't that long ago, but back in those days— um, there wasn't really a big basketball rivalry there. You just expected BYU to go down there and beat them. Right. Um, So I I don't know. I would say basketball. We'll hold off for now on TCU. All
1: right, let's let's hear the next one.
2: Can you tell me your
1: name and where you're from, please?
0: I'm Grant Nielsen. I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah.
1: Awesome. So our question for you today is, who do you think should be our Big 12 rival for basketball?
0: So
2: I would say Utah once they get in. But before then, I'm going to go with the Iowa State Cyclones.
0: Why is that? You know, we've got history uh, dating about a couple years ago. They poked uh, Eric Mika in the eyes. We lost that really close game. And then we had a tough one here at the Marriott
2: Center. Um, They hate Richie Saunders for some reason. He'll be be bugging them for a few more years. And (laughs) we're always a great program. They've got NBA guys all the time. And so every time we go to Ames, every time they come to Provo, it's just going to be a great matchup. Awesome. Thank you.
1: I'm 100% with this guy, actually. I, I f- think Iowa State would be a phenomenal rival for BYU basketball.
0: I think Grant has personal vendettas against <laughs> against Iowa Poked State. Poked Eric
1: Meek in the eye?
0: Yeah, man. He's poking Eric Meek in the eye, they hate Richie Saunders, those are some crazy those are some crazy well, pullbacks. They've got a creamery there that competes
2: <laughs> against No, That's they right. don't no. Anyway. instant rival. Uh, funny enough, when, when when we when we thought of when I was thinking about this question, Iowa State was one of my teams. Really? Yeah. Why? I, I did. Hey, so I have two, but I, I'll re- I won't reveal my second one. But I I thought about Iowa State because I'm like, okay, should it be Kansas? No, they've got Kansas State. Should it be? You know, I'm I'm like, I can't. It can't be Texas and Oklahoma because they're leaving. Plus, their rivals all in and of some, themselves. I'm like Texas Tech, uh, maybe. And so as I was going around, I'm like Iowa State really doesn't have like a basketball rival. So why not BYU? I mean, Iowa State's got. I- I'll say this. That community, Brandon and I have both been to Ames, Iowa. It's not that big.
0: Um,
2: but man, they turn out really good basketball teams and really good basketball players. And I know they're not from Iowa, you know, per se. All of them are from Iowa, but they have good teams there. and i I just have so much respect. so that maybe that's what it is. I just I totally respect Iowa State and what they do with that program, I would say out in the middle of nowhere in the heart of the country. So maybe that's what it is. And I I, I just like – they played before, and I, I think it's just kind of fun. I think I'd love it if BYU and Iowa State became basketball rivals with each other.
0: Mm.
1: I like it too, and he mentioned before Utah comes in, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I guess – Yeah, yeah, uh, I mean,
2: just what do a we got? We got uh, <laughs> a few more games here
1: for Iowa and State and BYU to become a rival. But, yeah, I, I like that. It's obviously going to be BYU-Utah. Obviously. You can't change it as much as we want to change it. Once Utah's in the conference, it's BYU-Utah. Done. Signed, sealed, delivered. That's what it is. But yes, Iowa State, I think, would be a phenomenal, it's going to be a phenomenal matchup for years to come. All right, coming up, it's buy or sell time with BYU Basketball, and we'll discuss if BYU's home court advantage is top three in the conference. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean, alongside Cleon Wall and Brandon Crow. Brandon, we didn't ask you, who would you want to be BYU's basketball rival in the big, big 12
0: Conference? Thank you for asking, Lauren. I, I, I'm i <laughs> sorry that I was uh, too oh, busy so staring sorry. at the clock this, that so last segment. Sorry. Uh There was a timeout taken. Yeah. And there, was, there was. We <laughs> were just waiting
2: um, for you to warm up and feel good about so yourself. Glad you and, that no, that I was, was just happened. captivated yeah. by,
0: your, by your guys' sentiments, and, and I still couldn't get over the fact that Grant thinks that Iowa State hates Richie Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> um you know what cleon i i was thinking one and then you kind of persuaded me but it i just totally forget because there's so many schools in this conference i just totally forgot but i will have to i will say baylor i will say baylor okay. just because you know this this community here in provo and the wasatch front and in the byu community and if you can't see me i'm doing air quotes the byu <laughs> community they love chip and joanna gaines and yeah, the whole hey, the whole yeah, Mag- it is. the whole Magnolia University thing with also a religious tie uh, to Baylor. We love RG three. We RG three and his yeah. Cougar tails uh, from the booth. So I think uh, I think Baylor.
2: Okay, I Baylor's like won it. a national championship too. They're, I mean, they're a phenomenal team they, for sure. They've got a nice new basketball arena. Yeah. Um, I, I it seems logical because I don't. I mean, does Baylor really have a rival in basketball? In the Big 12, I'd probably say their closest one might be Texas, but Texas is going to leave the conference. Right, so maybe it's going to turn to Houston. I don't or, know or TCU. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I I think there is Those something make there. The most sense. I think there's something there between Baylor and TCU, but I think there's a nice relationship when they were not conference members between BYU and Baylor. Yes, that I think that that would be. Another rivalry that could potentially be there, both in football and and I think in basketball. I too. feel
1: like the fans are way too nice to each other for it to be a real rivalry. You know what I'm saying? Again, like it's like a, the caveat you, until Utah you comes, love right? Me. We're a happy family. That's how I feel like the BYU Baylor <laughs> rival is. Right just now. keep the Baylor giving, Barneys? Yeah.
2: Just keep giving <laughs> BYU lots of sugar and they're just going to be cranky all the time. So it'll be fun. <laughs>
1: all right, guys, let's play a rousing round of buy or sell. The first one is. Foose Traore should start over Ali Khalifa. Are you buying it or selling Here's some stats. Foose averages 10.1 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Ali, 6.1 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, and 4.2 assists. So more assists from Ali, more points from Foose. Buy or sell, Cleon.
2: I am going to say, man, this one's tough. I'm going to say sell. I still think you need to have Ali in the the lineup. I think Foose is really important. To come in the game. I know that Mark Pope wants to play them together. That would be the other thing that you would like to see. Because I think I, I think we like seeing Noah Waterman in the lineup. Noah's not a low-post guy. And Ali's not really a low-post guy. He's a high-post guy. Mm-hmm. So that's what Foos brings, and that's what you'd like to see is that low-post threat somewhere there, and they just don't have that. If they were able to get Ali at the high-post or a little bit farther out at the three-point line and Foose at the low post, that would be great. Now, on paper, and me talking about, it, hey, it sounds perfect. But if you haven't practiced it, it, it it's probably not going to be perfect. Yeah, because so, I was
1: going to say, how often have we seen that? Them it, we have right? No, we haven't. I, I don't remember at that all. time. Yeah. As
2: far as I know, we haven't seen it at all this year. And Pope, uh, Mark Pope, gee, we're, on, we're on a last-name basis <laughs> now. Uh, Coach Pope uh, basically said, you know, we want to play these guys together we just need to get them to practice together, but we can't because one of them's injured all the time. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, maybe you can use that as an excuse, but I don't think you also want to just throw them out there at game time and say, Hey guys, go figure it out. Right. Um, sure. It sounds good on paper, but I would probably, I'd probably still say Ali right now um, because of his passing ability. Mm.
1: You buying or selling it. We're I'm
0: selling it. this. Um, and I, I thought about this question too, when you brought it up to me, Lauren, uh, for me, Ali Khalifa is such a unique individual. He's a unique player, and you look at what what this BYU team, especially the offense, was doing before he got hurt, and they and they were they were a different animal when he was on the court with them compared to when when Foose was out there. And because BYU is so unique in their offensive scheme, they don't have that traditional low post threat. And so the, for me, I say you stick with Ali Khalifa, and then you bring Foose off the bench when necessary when these other teams try to get their their low post started then you bring in Foos but Mm -hmm. I feel like because of uh, the unique aspect of BYU's offense Ali Khalifa just elevates everybody's capabilities with what he's able to do with passing the basketball
1: yeah and and I don't know if he's 100% healthy either Mm -hmm. right now but when he was he was outstanding and I think teams kind of picked up a little bit on what he can do and kind of shut him down a little bit in ways, but I agree with you. I'm going to sell it. I, I love foos. You gotta have foos 100%. I'm okay if they split time straight up, but. Ali Khalifa does bring something that that is so complimentary to this offense that BYU is running right now. Mm-hmm. All right, next one, Dallin Hall should be playing more minutes than anybody else. Dallin Hall currently leads the team in minutes per game with 28.1, but should be should he be seeing 30 plus minutes every game from now on, Cleon,
2: I'm going buy to or sell. sell. I'm going to sell. Even though I say he's the most important guy on the team right now, I'm going to sell just because listen, I know these guys are young but you play this many games and you go through practices and everything like that. I'm just afraid that as the season goes along, he's going to wear down every time they run into some problems. where like, well, we're not, we're not handling the ball. Well, we'll just throw down hall back out there. That's going to wear on, that's going to wear on him because they're going to, they're going to face a lot of really good teams in the upcoming, in the coming weeks. And then you've got the big 12 tournament and then we're anticipating the NCAA tournament. I would say no. I, I would sell this on playing him more. They, To me, they need to find someone else uh, who can handle the ball kind of like Dallin. I, that might be Trey Stewart. Maybe it's someone else. But I I don't think you play him more minutes than what he's playing right now on average.
1: Brandon?
0: Yeah, I'm going to sell. I agree with Cleon on that one. Uh, for me, I, if we're going to talk about minutes being played here, I would rather see Less Dallin Hall, just so you can preserve him going down the long stretch, like you said. But you're looking, uh, if you look at the UCF game, almost half the team had over 20 minutes. But the guy that I just love and I've loved for, for a while now that I want to see get more love is Iowa State's number one victim. In Richie Saunders, (laughs) you know, Richie Saunders, he only had 10 and a half minutes uh, on on Tuesday against UCF, but when he gets out there, he's an energy guy, and he's able to lift up everybody around him with his his style of play, and I feel like that type of guy should be seeing more minutes on the court, and then you, you preserve Dallin Hall, so that way he does not get injured. Because you need him down the stretch,
2: so he
1: is 100% agree with that. He is way.
2: definitely the the Josh Groban song "You Raise Me Up." That is <laughs> if you want to go Saunders. that way. Yes, absolutely. Maybe, maybe up, that's Richie. why. I, that, maybe that's why Iowa State hates him because <laughs> he raises them up. Know, he raises them up. Oh my god! Raise the roof. Okay. Enough <laughs> of I uh,
1: I love Richie Saunders. I was disappointed when he wasn't put in, especially in the final minutes against UCF, because he has he's one of the toughest guys on BYU's team offensive and defensively he's yeah. quick he's twitchy he can make threes he, he can kind of do it all and he brings that energy with him so i don't know the reason i'm not on the coaching staff but i agree with you brand that i wish richie saunders got more playing time mm. to yeah i think that's a good um good thing to give dallin hall a little bit more of a break trey stewart has made the most of his time sure that he when he's come on the court i feel like he's handled the ball a lot better than he was previously in the season and uh so he's done great but richie saunders I think is that guy for me. Okay, next one. This team can snag a road win versus Kansas or Iowa State. BYU already dominated Iowa State at the Marriott Center, but both these teams are undefeated at home this season and currently reside in the top 10 of the AP poll. Iowa State has defeated Houston and Kansas in Ames. Kansas has defeated Houston and Baylor in Lawrence. So can this BYU team snag a road win versus Kansas or Iowa State? Brandon.
0: Can they? Sure. Will they? (laughs) I don't think so. Really? I will say, I will say Iowa State. They will sneak out a win in Lawrence, Kansas, at Fog Allen. Mm. No, but in Iowa State, I uh, in Ames, I do. I think that BYU has the the potential, has the opportunity to be able to get a significant road win against Iowa State. I do. I firmly believe
1: you it. think BYU is going to go two and zero against Iowa State. Yeah, why not this year? Hmm. What do you think? Especially
0: Leon? if they go to cornbread because cornbread is underrated. <laughs> cornbread Barbe- B- a barbecue. place. B- so like, in, uh, what in Ames. What is cornbread? Cornbread place. is, it,
2: is okay. it a barbecue right. place in in Ames that Brandon and I ate and and it was fantastic.
1: It, it was
0: really good. It rivaled a lot of the Texas places we went to. And yes. do they have cornbread? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is Absolutely. Because
1: it, I love cornbread. But yeah.
0: just
2: make sure you take a corn break. No, the, it's <laughs> oh corn. Oh, my
1: gosh. Okay.
2: Cleon, what do you think? A little think? off the rails there. Uh, no, I'm going to sell. Um, I don't think they're going to win at either place. Wow. I think their last win on the road is going to come against Oklahoma State. Mm. I, I really do. Mm. I think BYU probably my, – my, the goal in my head was finish 500. And if you can finish one game above 500 or, you know, just switch that a little bit and finish 10-8, and eight, then I think that's good. I think that's where they're gonna end up. I think they're gonna win at Oklahoma State. And the way things play out, if we do the home road, home road thing, they finish right at 10 and 8, which would be good. So no, I don't think I, I the only other place I think they could potentially win on the road is maybe Kansas State.
1: Yeah, because you got Oklahoma State on the road, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State.
2: Yeah, I Kansas State would be my other one but I don't think they win there either. So yeah. I think four games left, I think if they go one and three in their last four games on the road, that's not bad. G- getting three conference road wins in your first season in the Big 12, I think that's pretty good. I know three and six doesn't sound great, but I don't know where you find another win on the road in, the, in conference, even though you could go back and say, well, at Baylor, they had a double-digit lead in the second half. I, I get that, but that was going to be a tough place to win anyway.
1: I'm going to buy it. I think they get one of the oh. wins. I am. I think they either beat. You guys. Kansas is, is a extremely difficult place to play. I understand that. Totally. And, and Iowa State. Fantastic fan base. But I just think we've talked about this before. This BYU basketball team is very poised. I feel like when they were on the road against UCF, that, that crowd, even from watching it on TV, I'm like, these guys are insane. This mm-hmm. is going to be so hard to play here. BYU pulled it out. I think, and I, I, and obviously Kansas and Iowa State are better teams than what UCF is. I think they're poised. I think um, they've learned a lot one. of lessons. They have. I think they're going to get one of those wins on the road, and it would be a huge one.
2: It would be huge. Yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, guys, that does it for us today. Thanks again to Brandon Crow and Cleon Wall for coming on the show with me. Carter Bond and Tori Kimball helped produce this episode with senior producer Terry South. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio.